Welcome to today's episode of Empowered, a perfectionist guide to imperfection, hosted by me, Miranda Lee. It's time to take back control of our lives, and it's time to write our own story. Remember, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back. So today's episode is all about holistic approaches to mental health. I talk with Brittany Moses, who's a blogger and a podcaster who takes a faith-informed approach to mental health. But before we get started, I just want to remind you, if you love this podcast or even just tolerate it enough to keep coming back, please leave me a five-star review. I know you're probably like, girl, you keep saying that every time, but I mean, have you done it yet? I'll stop asking once you do it, you know? So help a girl out. Okay, I'm done. Let's get this episode started. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited for our conversation. Yeah, me too. So for those who do not know you, can you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, so I'm Brittany Moses, and that's going to be changing in a year because I just got recently engaged, so I'm going to have to work that out somehow. But, oh my gosh, um, congrats. That's so exciting. <laughs> Right now, I'm Brittany Moses, and I'm in Los Angeles, California area. I am a mom of an 11-year-old boy, and I'm in the study of psychology at UCLA and research assisting at Semmel's Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior. So one of the things that I really love talking about and is kind of my jam is the intersection of faith and mental health and having those conversations, but also I've just been able to have the opportunity to walk alongside others in their mental health journey, being a um, support group facilitator with NAMI and being a crisis counselor on the crisis text line, the national crisis text line. Um, So just trying to help raise awareness and education and support in all the spaces that, that I can. So I appreciate you opening the opportunity. Yeah, I, I just love the topic of mental health. And I, I feel like now it's, it's something that people are talking about more. So I absolutely, absolutely love that. So what has your journey been with, you know, mental health, physical health, and your faith? Oh my gosh, so many things, right? It really was a kind of a two-part experience for me. One was me just running into a number of those around me who were in psychological distress, and then my own experiences. So for me, I had been serving in the church and ministry for years, specifically with young adults. And what I kept coming into over and over again was, you know, struggles with anxiety, severe struggles with depression, trauma, um, and just a lot of suicidal ideation with the youth. And I found myself in a place where I was managing more like mental crises, more than I expected. And then on top of that, I had also gone through my own experiences with severe anxiety to the point where I went to therapy and, you know, um, and some bouts of depression more so in my teenage years. And I, I had my own experiences that I think just made me kind of speculate more about what was going on, what were all the dynamics involved and realizing that, you know, in ministry, we were lacking a lot of the resources and holistic understanding of what was taking place. So I would say it was definitely experiential for me that led me to going back to school, um, to doing more studying, more researching around the topic. Uh, That's really led me to creating a conversation today in the spaces where that conversation's invited. 
Yeah, I feel like there's just a lot of, you know, stigma around mental health in the church. Do you think like the church just wasn't like the church isn't prepared and have the correct tools to, you know, to help people with mental health, especially the youth? Yeah, I mean, obviously not all churches are the same and it's all on a spectrum. You know, I think that many churches that I've encountered, they do have a genuine heart to support people and be there. But maybe there is, um, I don't know, like some toxic kind of theology around illness and suffering and mental health that hasn't been so helpful that maybe gets passed around. Um, I think that maybe there's just a misunderstanding simply because I mean, not everybody goes to school and trains in the world of psychology and mental health, right? And not everybody will. So I think it's just about bringing and partnering with the mental health community, with professionals, with experts to make sure that we're providing holistic help and healing for those who need it most Um, and conjoining those together because I do see the church, a healthy and thriving church as a really important part of the faith life of someone as they're healing and recovering as a place of support, as a place of bringing in a foundation of truth, maybe when our emotions are all over the place and we're questioning our identity and purpose and worth in this world. Um, I think the church can provide a really strong support and truth system for that. So it's just about, um, yeah, it's just about partnering and having the education, understanding and helping folks. But I do think that many churches are well-intentioned and many of the ones that I'm connected with want to learn more to help their members. So I feel optimistic. Yeah, I agree. And especially with, you know, like I said before, the awareness raising around mental health, like even um, the church that that I go to, their, their last, um, the last message that they were doing for a couple of weeks was, it was called... I'm fine. Not really. And it was all about mental health. And, you know, they talked about anxiety and depression and um, OCD, which I thought was awesome because I, like I struggled with with OCD and anxiety myself. Mm -hmm. So actually hearing the church talk about that was just, it was just really reassuring and eye-opening and, and for them to acknowledge it because mental health is something that a lot of people definitely struggle with. Oh, yeah, I tell people like there are people all in your congregation that are either living with a diagnosis or are undiagnosed or are severely struggling. We know that, you know, like I said, research has shown that people will go to their church before they ever step foot to a mental health professional. So it definitely is kind of like the first gateway to help. So, yeah, it's there. It's in the church. It's just really coming down to how we're going to approach it and what we have in place to support those who may be severely struggling. So why do you think that that we as children of God just assume that we can't turn to outside help or, you know, or medication if it's necessary? So why, why do you think that is? I think that we just don't trust what we don't understand. <laughs> you know, uh, I think that really is what it comes down to. And that's maybe where some stigmas and, um, just negative associations probably come in. So it's just about understanding. So for example, with medication, I try to explain that a lot of times with mental health, not all the time, but many times when a person is severely struggling with say depression, there could be something very biological at play. Oftentimes there's been shown to be a lack of serotonin in the brain. So a medication called SSRIs helps make that serotonin more available in their brain to help um, increase mood stability. 
right? So it's just taking the natural chemicals that you already have in your body, and it is really opening up those channels in your brain to make it more available, right? And we have no problem with this with any other health condition, you know, <laughs> with diabetes or with a heart with a heart, you know, disease, if those organs in your body just aren't functioning the way that they should, then we have no, no problem compensating for those things with evidence-based remedies like medication that really can save lives. So it's the same thing when it comes to, to mental health. And I think that maybe there is some fear if I'll just be blunt, I think there's fear in resorting to outside help because people might think that seeing a therapist or psychologist is going to try to challenge or change their worldview. And that's just not ethical. You know, a therapist is really trained to meet you where you are and use those positive uh, coping mechanisms, those faith, that faith, that truth, those scriptures, prayer as a part of your healing. Um, that's what at least an ethical therapist is, is, is trained to do. So, you know, I think just clarifying that and breaking down those walls and, and misunderstandings can hopefully help reduce the fear so that people would be more willing to find the solutions that they deserve. Yeah. And I like what you said before that we're, a lot of people are just, you know, scared of what they don't know. And I think especially in, you know, with, with children and, and in the youth, that is probably something that they've, they've had like little to no experience with even understanding mental health. Cause like, I remember being younger and, and struggling with anxiety or even with my tick disorder. And I didn't understand what right. was going on. And I think it's just so important to bring awareness, especially at that young age. Cause I think we just really believe that it's something that we go through alone and that something is wrong with us. But then I think we also think that some of the things we struggle with are completely normal, but something as simple as, you know, implementing exercise or fixing our diet or even, you know, being put on the correct medication that we need mm -hmm. can actually bring us to where we're supposed to be mentally. Yeah, those are really great points. You know, um, I think I, what you said is a great point and that's that, you know, the less we know about what's going on with us, the more fear it creates because you are kind of disconnected from your body and what's going on and fear breeds shame, right? So then you start feeling shameful, like what is wrong with me? What is happening to me? Or you, you, it becomes intrinsic right? Um, and you reflect on yourself when really it's just something within your body that maybe just needs a little extra help and support to get you back on track. It's a part of the human experience. So really normalizing that by giving some understanding and awareness to what's going on can reduce a lot of shame and promote a lot of healing um, so that people can show up wholeheartedly for their lives. So what advice do you have for individuals who are going through, whether it's anxiety, depression, any other um, mental health issues, um, as children of God and children of the church, what do you think um, like their first steps would be and what advice do you have for them? The first thing I always say is never let anyone, including yourself, shame you out of the help that you need and deserve or spiritually guilt or shame you out of the help that you need or deserve. Only you are going to live your life and inside your life and with those choices. So I think it really is important to make those healthy choices for yourself. And that may look like going in, you know, signing up for therapy or seeing a counselor or therapist to get an assessment. Sometimes we don't realize how bad it is because we've lived with something for so long or we feel like it's just our problem or it's ours to carry or maybe someone has told us you just need to keep praying or just need to keep having faith but 
you're still having the severe symptoms that are impairing your life, you know, it's important to go get that help to get that clarity that we were just talking about because you're deserving of real solutions. And, you know, when it comes to the faith component of it, I, there's this promise from God in first Peter five ten that I love where he says, you know, so after you, after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. You know, God doesn't promise that we won't have these trials or struggles through this life. He, he says that there will be suffering, um, but he promises to walk with us through it and to place us on a firm foundation to restore us. But faith without works is also dead. We know that, right? So it means being prayerful and being practical because God has also granted us with common sense wisdom. And Proverbs 4, 8 tells us to treasure and hold on to that wisdom. So oftentimes that wisdom can look like you know what? Something's not working in my life. This is not working. I need to find solutions that are working. And whichever way that that God opens that healing for you is a gift. It's a blessing. And um, we're worthy of that. I love that, especially because I think people just assume that if they do turn to medication, I know it's thought a lot um, in the church, that if you just turn to medication, that you're not having faith in God, or you're not listening to the word. But, but like you said, God wants us to use our wisdom and he wants to take every step with us, whether it is going to therapy, whether it is getting on some new medication or just medication in general, God wants to be part of that journey with us. That's so well said. Yeah. And we like to think of mental health as a tool belt, right? I guess mental health care is a tool belt and you have a number of tools in your tool belt of healing and recovering and health support. And that tool could be like church, having a supportive social church community. It could look like medication if necessary, if there's something you know, physiological going on. It could look like, like you said, exercise, uh, changing your dietary habits, getting good sleep. All of these things are tools in a tool belt of, of mental health care that really help us and not, it, we don't single them out. You know, it's, it's whole, it's a holistic experience. Exactly. And I know that, like you said, you're, you focus on the holistic side of mental health. And I know um, a lot of people just assume that their, their first, um, their first thing that they should try is medication. And in my personal, um, experience, mm -hmm. I don't think medication should be, um, the, the first thing. Right. I mean, there's, there's, there's always exceptions to that rule, I believe. But I think, like you said, like checking on our sleep, checking on our, um, nutrition and exercise and, um, like a lot of it has to do with that brain gut connection. So can we like talk about how our nutrition, our sleep, our, our exercise, how all that stuff affects our mental health and how we need to get that stuff in check first before just turning to medication? Yeah, I think you make a lot of really good points here. Typically, medication is not the first resort. And we know that while medication can help with the physical symptoms, it doesn't change your thoughts, right? Um, it doesn't change the way that you're thinking. So typically, they found that talk therapy plus medication can be very effective. And then some people don't need medication. It just is helpful to have talk therapy to get unstuck. It really all depends. But when it comes to something like nutrition, right, something that's often overlooked in the mental health aspect, we can understand food as two things, right? Food is fuel for our body and our brain and um, also the chemical building blocks for our brain. So on a basic level, food breaks down into glucose, which is a source of stored energy that keeps our bodies going and our brain powered. So as you can imagine, we've all felt like mental fatigue <laughs> and it's like, or the word hangry, right? Where we're just off, we're just not yeah. ourselves. 
right? We're probably having mental fatigue because our brain just does not have enough energy or fuel to run off of. We need to eat something, you know? And then on a mental health level, we have something called the enteric nervous system or the ENS, which is also known as the gut-brain connection, where there's a bi-directional communication between our gut and our brain. From what we're digesting, providing the nutrients and building blocks of neurochemicals being relayed to our brain. So like 90% of serotonin, the neurochemical I was talking about earlier, that kind of plays a role in mood balance. And as we mentioned, um, is lacking in the brains of those with severe depression. Well, 90% of serotonin is produced in the gut. <laughs> they've, they've done these really cool studies actually where they took, it's, a, it's an animal study, but they took the, you know, they took the guts of like depressed rats, so to speak. I can't tell you how they measure for a depressed rat, <laughs> but maybe some of the behaviors, right? And how that gut is like unhealthy. They put, they put that same microbiome in the gut of a healthy rat. And then that healthy rat start, starts showing depressed symptoms. So there, there have been kind of some research that have shown that there's some connection there, like with the gut. And many refer to the gut as a second brain for these reasons. We also have a blood brain barrier, which coats our brain. Um, it's the blood that like carries over our brain where vital nutrients are carried from our bloodstream toward the brain and are absorbed by the brain. So having a lack of essential nutrients and vitamin sources, such as found in fruits and veggies, proteins and fatty fish and avocados, those have omega-3s, healthy fats for your brain, or energy depletion because you haven't been fully nourished, can both be immediate and resolvable feelings that your mood may be feeling off. Yeah, um, I, I guess that people need to realize that iced coffee is not a meal. <laughs> it's not a meal. It's not, it does not have the nutrients that you need, but I am so guilty. So I am not here to judge <laughs> anyone. Well, I love the um, the study you talked about with the rats because I've actually, I'm obsessed with gut health. First of all, I think it is just, I was on, I was on birth control for 10 years um, because my doctor actually put me on it for my acne, which uh -huh. looking back on it, that probably should not have been the the first step for a resolution for my acne is putting me on birth control but right. I actually realized that the birth control for being on it this long really disrupted my gut health and gut health is so is just oh my gosh it's it's everything it's like our yeah. second brain like you said but I also heard of I read about this different study um where they had two they had they had rats and then they had these two twins um, human twins, one who was, had a healthy gut microbiome who, you know, was fit and lean. And then the other twin, um, mm -hmm. had an unhealthy, um, gut microbiome and he was overweight, you know, mm -hmm. unhealthy. And they, they, they transferred the, the gut microbiome like to these rats. And it actually affected whether the rat, you know, gained weight or was, was on the more healthier, thinner side, and it's just, it's just crazy how much our, our gut and our gut microbiome just affects everything in our yeah. life. And, and these two rats, they would eat the same exact thing. It wasn't that one rat was eating unhealthy and the other one wasn't. They were eating the exa exact same thing. And because of that gut microbiome and what made, made up, made, made up in it, it was just two completely different rats. Yeah. And once you learn about these things, you can't unsee it. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. That's an interesting study too. Yeah. These poor rats. <laughs> poor rats. Oh. 
Yeah, I'm curious how they measure depression levels. Though. I would have to look into that. It's probably maybe they looked lethargic, moved lethargic, or didn't show as much motivation. Probably things like that, I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, see, we can't, you know, we can't make humans depressed. It's unethical. So yeah, yeah they got to use the rats. <laughs> That's so true. Well, I feel like we like live in this society where doctors they just like to prescribe medication and antibiotics right away but and I see a lot of the time as meds and antibiotics are just a band-aid like don't even get me started on on Tums like those anti-acids those are just a band-aid if you're having heartburn and indigestion you need to find the root issue but I know a lot of the time with how society is and um you know our healthcare system they don't address the real issue. So how can we try? And, you know, a lot of the holistic um, doctors aren't covered by insurance, of course. Right. So how can we live a more holistic life with how society is today? Yeah, I, I always encourage people to definitely stay in tune with your body and pay attention to your body. I think our bodies have so much wisdom and are constantly sending us messages like when something's not right, you know, but we just have to pay attention to it. Sometimes we're so busy or we're so used to maybe chronically experiencing something that we kind of tune it out or we keep going or we assume, well, you know, the doctor told me this, so I'm just gonna wait until it works or whatever it is. Um, But uh, the medical care is also really depending on you on depending on the other person to relay back what's going on to adjust those things. And I think that sometimes there is, maybe people feel, feel a hierarchy you know, like, okay, well, the doctor knows best, so I'm just going to go with what they say. Um, I think it's important to take to heed sound medical wisdom and advice, but at the same time, pay attention to your body and advocate for yourself because it is your body. So when something's not working, being able to say, you know, hey, this isn't working. It's been a month. It's been two months. I'm not seeing any relief in my symptoms. What's going on? You know, so they can adjust. So that's, I think, one part is just being in tune with your own body, taking ownership of your body and knowing that whatever mental, whatever mental or medical health professional you're working with, it is you're a team. It's not a dictatorship. (laughs) You're a team. And they're also feeding off of you. And then also just the intuitive wisdom of continuing to do what works in your life. I think that there are things that we intuitively do in our lives that work and that help us and just paying attention to continue doing those things. So maybe you've noticed that, yeah, like when you're at home with the windows closed and no light and you're in front of your screen all day and you're scrolling through Instagram that you don't feel good, you know, when you're doing that consistently by the end of the week. So then it's like, I don't, I notice I feel really down. I start comparing myself. I get insecure. I get anxious. I get withdrawn. When I do this, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I notice I feel better when I go outside and get sunlight. I notice I feel better when I'm hydrated. I notice I feel better when I'm connected and having meaningful conversations with those around me and I'm present with loved ones, right? So, or or when I am not eating as much sugar or whatever it is, I would say you are, you know, um, you are your best source of what's working and what's not and to pay attention to those things and those areas in all of those areas of your life um, when it comes to holistic care. So absolutely. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think a lot of us are kind of scared to advocate for ourselves. But um, I like that you said, you know, the doctors aren't a dictatorship. It's, you know, this is supposed to be a partnership. But yeah. I also think that as 
as the as the clients and as the patients of these doctors, I'm sure the doctors, you know, want to tell us, you know, eat eat healthier diet, exercise, all this stuff. And I think us as patients, a lot of people just, they expect a quick fix. Right. I'm sure the doctors over the years have kind of just given up on trying to actually help with the source. And it's just, you know, a lot of people rather just get prescribed medication, you know, and with the, with everyone's health kind of declining and more and more people going to the doctor. I'm sure the doctors are just like, all right, I'm gonna get to the point. Here's your medication. All right, next, next patient. So I think that's why it's just so important to not Mm -hmm. expect the doctor to fix everything, but to educate yourself, you know, read, Mm -hmm. learn about, learn about what your body actually needs and craves and, you know, gut health exercise. And like you said, find what works for you and what makes you feel better. Cause that's just so important because we're all different. And, you know, if something's not working, you, you can change it. Life's kind of an experiment, you know, see what works for you, see what doesn't keep doing what does. And if something, if you don't enjoy something or something doesn't make you feel good, take it out of your life. Exactly. It's exactly that. And, you know, when it comes to at least I can just speak for like the study of mental health and neuropharmacology and whatnot, what often happens is you you have this population of people who may be struggling with a diagnosis like, say, depression. Right. And they have these clinical trials of these medications and they've noticed that, you know, maybe these top three medications help tend to help the general population or most of the population with this diagnosis, right? So then because it tends to help, then that might be what they are going to prescribe, right? But your body is unique and it might not work for you, right? Whatever whatever it is. So like you just said, you have to pay attention to your body, do your research, notice what messages your body is sending you and be communicating that for sure. Hey guys, quick ad break. As you all know, I'm a health and life coach, and unlike most health, most health coaches, I focus on mental health when it comes to improving your physical health. So I'm here to help you reach your goals, love yourself, and still eat the foods you love. So if you guys are interested, you can have a free discovery call with me. You can click the link in the show notes, or you can click the link in my Instagram bio, which is at this is Miranda Lee. All right, you guys, let's get back to the show. All right. I have a kind of, kind of a random question that (laughs) I was thinking thinking of. You might not even have the answer to it, but my husband tells me, he says that the United States is the only country that has commercials for medications and (laughs) other countries think it's so strange that we have commercials advertising medications. Like why, why is that? Why do we advertise medications? We see that as normal, but I guess other countries don't. That's so true. It's so normal to me. I think I think the blunt answer is that, you know, farm, you know, pharmacy and pharmacology is a really big business. Like it's a billion dollar industry. Um, And I can't say I know the intentions of every single manufacturer, but it's 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 a it's a very big industry kind of within a capitalist economy. So I think that's just also kind of maybe the nature of American culture that it brings in a lot of cash. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And we, we just yeah. need to be aware of that. We definitely need to yeah. be aware because it's not normal, but it's our normal. Yeah, medication can be helpful in life saving in obviously a number of circumstances, but also um, it is not the ultimate fix or cure. And there are other options to help with healing, but you definitely want to 
um, stay in contact with a doctor, someone who could track your health, you know, as you are exploring what works best for you, you know? So, yeah. yeah. it's a cash cow cow for sure it really is oh my gosh it's just it's so much to yeah because i feel like a lot of um like like people on you know the holistic side of medicine are like you know you shouldn't take meds you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that or there's like i'm gonna take meds antibiotics i think like we need to find the happy medium because like you said medication can be life-saving and i had someone tell me an example they're like you know if if i break my arm I'm going to go to a, a real doctor. I'm not going to get some essential oils. Like I'm going to go yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. cast or get surgery. And I, there's definitely a place for, you know, how medicine is nowadays, you know, this, the medication, the surgeries, the things, but, you know, to, to turn to that is our, our first solution is not what we need to be doing. And like you said, it can definitely be a quicker fix you know? Um, yeah, without addressing the real issue. Yeah. You can feel the changes maybe quicker, um, than if you were to maybe just go a lifestyle choice route. Um, obviously a person can do both, but it really just depends person to person. Yeah. And I think, I think finding that healthy balance and, you know, I talk a lot about the all or nothing mindset. And I think this is a, a perfect example of where we should not have an all or nothing mindset when it comes to our health. Yeah, absolutely. So like we, you were saying before, it's so important to advocate for ourselves. And especially nowadays, we really need to advocate for ourselves. So what are some tips that you have for people? I know it can be kind of uncomfortable advocating for yourself. So what are your tips to make it just to make it more comfortable? Yeah, I think it just really comes down to a mindset thing and remembering that this is your body. And I just, I guess it's more so just giving people an affirmation for their mind and mentality. This is your body that you are the only one living in. And this is your life that you are the only one living with. And you are the only one who is going to live with, you know, the events proceeding or the consequences of those choices right? So you are fully entitled to and worthy of um, advocating what is best for your body, what is not working for your body, because it's your life. It's your life. No one else has to live with those choices. So that would just be my biggest um, advocacy is just having those affirmations so that you are, um, yeah, so that you are taking control of your health. And I think something like I know something that I've made sure to do like to advocate for myself is just communicating fully with the doctor. Because I think we just assume that the doctor knows everything about us and knows how we're feeling when we need to, you know, tell them like, for example, like I am I am on anxiety meds and, you know, Mm -hmm. my 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 doctor wanted to increase my meds. And I had to be like, okay, I'm feeling good. And when you increased it, this is the side effect that I was feeling. And then in their professional opinion, they could say, you know, maybe we should take a step back or maybe, or, you know, what, it's only right. a week. You need to, you may need to wait a little bit. So I think it's just so important to communicate with yeah. our doctors and, and tell, and tell them, you know, what we, and what we think and not just assuming that because they said it, that it's right. Cause they're trying their best, but they, like you said, they don't know us like we know ourselves. They're not feeling what you're feeling and they really are depending on you and that feedback. Otherwise they're just going to go off of what they know is best on average, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I know that my psychiatrist, 
tried to give me, well, I think they tried to give me like Adderall or something. And mm-hmm. I feel like a normal person would be like, yeah, okay. You, you gave this to me. And I, I asked questions. I was like, I do not think this is something I need. I think that my anxiety meds are working well, but why do you think that this is something I, I needed? And once we actually dug deeper into why she was trying to prescribe me Adderall, it turned out that she actually misinterpreted um, something that I said. I was saying that oh. I was I was having trouble eating because of my tics, but she actually thought that I was having trouble eating because of um, anxiety and a muscle spasm. And it turned out there was just, there was just miscommunication. So, you know, doctors aren't perfect. So it's so important to communicate that you guys are on the same page. Otherwise I'd be on an unnecessary medication that wouldn't even be helping anything. Right. And it was so good of you to ask those questions. You are fully entitled to ask your doctor, your therapist, whoever, why do you think I need this? Why do you think I should be on this? What does it do? What might be some side effects and what is our plan if it doesn't work? Right? Like those are all questions that you're entitled to and they should be able to provide. So absolutely. You're a team. <laughs> and it makes their life so much easier. Like so much they, easier. <laughs> they have so many patients that they go through day to day. And I, I make it clear when I talk to my doctor that I do not want my first option to be medication. I rather us, you know, find the root of the problem and then they're willing to work with me and, yeah. you know, they know more about me. So Um, What are your top tips for living a more holistic lifestyle? Yeah, I think that one of the first thing that comes to mind is just living more intentionally. I think that we live in a very reactive and fast paced and busy society, you know, and we're just going, going, going. So it's hard to really pay attention to what we need, mind, body and soul. If we're living this in disconnection from ourselves, which a lot of us are, I have, I have weeks, you know, where I'm just totally disconnected and then you're burnt out and your mind is flipped upside down. And you're like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I am not myself. Um, but it is having that type of lifestyle where you pause. Maybe it's in, maybe it's every morning, maybe it's midday, maybe it's by the end of the day, check in with yourself and check in with your mind, check in with your body, do a body scan, you know, where am I feeling tension anywhere? Am I feeling pain and discomfort anywhere? Maybe mentally, what might it be? You know, maybe keep a journal that you check in with yourself with. I think that one of the keys to living a holistic lifestyle is being checked in with ourselves. And I do think that requires moments that we put aside to, that we set aside to, um, to reconnect with ourselves and, and checking in with what those needs are uh, so that we can say, okay, you know what? I think I need connection. You know, um, I was working so much this past like few months and I was like, you know what? I'm no longer working on weekends. I need some time to reconnect with myself and stay grounded to be able to do what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, um, to be able to even consider like, hmm, maybe I need to eat better or maybe I need to get out more. Or maybe I need to be connecting with others more or this really bothered me. I should probably connect with my therapist about that. Like all of that is going to take place. All of that intentionality is going to take place by slowing down, I think. Um, it's something that I'm trying to cultivate more as a rhythm in my lifestyle. And it's something that I, I just want to encourage for others in a world where I know that there are so many temptations and distractions that pull us into disconnection from ourselves and those around us. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, it's something that we have to just be conscious of, and it's, it's kind of something we have to choose to do every day. We can't just assume that I'm going to be in tune. Oh, I've learned how to be in tune with myself. I'm good. Like, 
no. every day you, you have to check in, like you have to journal because, you know, you have to be able to look back and see your feelings. I know with like, like my mom always tells me before I go to the doctor, she goes, write down all your questions because once you get there, you're going to forget. <laughs> so smart or your symptoms or your feel, right? Like take it with you because I think we've had that experience where then like you get into the therapy room or the doctor's room. It's like, I'm fine now, you know, exactly. like, it's like yeah, I'm fine, but really you were going through a lot, but you just don't really recall, you know? So yeah. So having even something that you can take to the therapist or to the doctor, or just to be checking in with yourself to look on, to stay in tune is all really helpful. Yeah. It, it's just so important to be in tune with your body, like in every aspect, whether it's, you know, nutrition, fitness, like you know, people think that, oh, I, I have to follow this routine where I work out six days and then I rest on the seventh. But sometimes your body's like, hey, I need an extra rest day. Or, That's the day. <laughs> but I'm hungrier today. I need to eat a little more. Like our, our bodies will tell us what yeah. they need. But yeah. I, I know for me, one of my biggest, um, my biggest sources and what's helped me live a more holistic lifestyle is just educating myself, reading yeah. about it. Cause how we're not, we weren't raised in a society or schooling system that really taught us how to live a holistic lifestyle. Like no one has really been taught about gut health in school. Like that was probably maybe like one little paragraph in our science book or in our health class. Like we need, to, we need to educate ourselves. Like I've learned so much just by reading books about gut health, listening to like holistic podcast, like holistic based podcasts and just doing things to make me better. So now that I have more tools to be able to help when, when I'm in need and just like you said, being in tune with your body. So it's like, oh, I remember reading about this. This is how I'm feeling now that I'm in tune. I think both, both of those being in tune with your body and being educated are just so important and they just, they'll just help you so much. Absolutely. I would say there's a lot of core things that I've learned that I learned outside of my program. <laughs> you know, like even even just now I was just posting about this. I'm in, you know, a psych program at UCLA, but I decided to sign up for a nutrition course, you know, at UCLA. It's not a part of my program. It's not something that I have to do, but I personally think that we lack that connection with nutrition and mental health and informal training. And so for me, knowing that that's an aspect, I decided to take it upon myself to sign up for a course, which I'm in right now. So yeah, and just different really great books I've read. So I think the other side of that is that there is a ton of information that we're saturated in. So it also is really important to be um, sorting through like correct and accurate information, which within itself can be its own um, you know, tedious thing, but absolutely. Yeah. And just, you know, not assuming that everything you read is, is a hundred percent, a hundred percent true, you know, right. taking it with a grain of salt and, you know, just being aware, like you can't, I, I'm sure you can, you know, there's some, there's some Netflix movies that you can watch documentaries that tell you why you should be vegan. And there's other ones that should tell you why you need to eat, um, you know, meat or, um, animal based products. And, you know, there, there's going to be something to back up and everything. Yeah, and, and everything. So just making sure like what your, what your sources are. Yeah. And what's good for you, because if you notice you're eating vegan, but you're weak all the time and you're tired all the time and you're lethargic or, you know, or you're not getting a good source of protein or, 
you're getting headaches, maybe that's not great for your body, you know, Um, or vice versa. If you notice that meat weighs you down and whatever it is, maybe you need to make smaller portions or see if a vegetarian or whatever lifestyle is better for you. All our bodies are different. So um, I would never tell someone to take one way or the other. Like you said, there's something to support everything, but it goes back to everything that we're saying, which is being checked in with your body and probably working with someone who is does have the expertise in that in that area, like a nutritionist or a, a doctor clinician um, or a clinical nutritionist. And um, if you can and uh, yeah, and, and really being in tune with yourself. Yep. I think all of it just goes back to being in tune with yourself. Cause like you said, ev- everyone's different. And I think the whole, like I've said before, the all or nothing mentality, you don't have to be like 100% vegan or 100% like animal based. Like me, myself, I, you know, after doing a, like getting to know myself and seeing what makes me feel good, I am plant-based, but only 90% of the time, I still give myself that wiggle room to, yeah. <laughs> it's like Thanksgiving or, you know, if someone makes me a meal or if you know what, sometimes if I'm craving, like right now I'm in San Diego visiting my family, which means I got all the best Mexican food around. Yeah. It, it yeah. would be unfair to myself not to have any carne asada. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely look into like for those who are listening and interested in basically what you're saying, the idea of intuitive eating. Um, I think that's a really great healthy dietary approach. It's not this super strict legalistic diet culture that we are consumed in that often doesn't have good effects. (laughs) Um, But having that intuitive eating, which is, again, paying attention and to what's best for your body. And like you said, allowing some of that wiggle room, because at the end of the day, health isn't just about what we're eating. It's also about how we're thinking and feeling about what we're eating in our bodies and our relationship with ourselves. Um, So absolutely. I love that you've kind of mentioned this more intuitive eating approach because I'm a huge advocate for that. Yes, me. Oh, my gosh, me too. Huge advocate for intuitive eating. Um, you know, I, I do talk a lot about my past relationship with food and, you know, my health coaching and podcasts is, you know, all there's society shows us all these diets, but then at the end of the day, intuitive eating just really shows what, you know, you, you need and what works best for you. And, you know, nutrition isn't supposed to be a science. It's supposed to be an art and it's fitted to, to each person individually and what, mm-hmm. what they crave and what they love. And like you said, it's not even um, you know, just focusing on, you know, nutrition, um, or, you know, fitness, there's so much more to wellness. Yeah. You know, there's that little slice that is diet. There's that other slice that is, um, that is fitness, but then there's social and there's financial and, you know, the mental health, the spiritual, there's so much to go when it comes to wellness. So just to focus on one little aspect, like your diet, or just to focus on exercise is unfair to the other aspects of wellness that your body requires. Yeah, I've been there. I've been on one side where I was super strict with like dieting and using my fitness pal to track everything and fitness and working out, but my mental health was suffering. And I was constantly looking at my body and looking at a number on a scale, which what does that number even mean? It doesn't take into account muscle percentage, fat percentage, water percentage, you know, it's it's just a big giant general number. Um, And then I've been on the other side where you have a more intuitive eating where it's just like, I enjoy my food, I'm present with my food, I pay attention to what works and what doesn't work. And that's just been so much more healthy for me mentally. So yeah, paying attention to the whole person person is a really important deal. I love that. Exactly. And and like you said, 
like tracking because I used to do that too you know track on the app every single calorie and yeah. <laughs> like you said it does have a negative impact on your mental health but I noticed at least for me that it had a negative impact on like my social well-being and mm. I wasn't able to be present with people especially you know because a lot of people the way of bonding is you know going out to eat sharing a meal you know all holidays are based around you know oh, dinner. Yeah family and to not be able to be present because you're obsessing and I, I would literally bring my scale with me and weigh every single every single thing that I ate and then I wasn't able to be present and to enjoy the social aspect of my life right that's huge because that just impairs like that whole moment <laughs> so um I feel you on that I feel you on that I mean it can be great for helping get to goals but it can be a slippery slope for sure yeah. And it shouldn't be what we base our whole life around. Like I know there, there's probably different phases in some people's life. Like if you wanted to do a bodybuilding show, yeah, it's, it's, it's important to know every single calorie and macro that you're eating for performance, but that's not how you would live your whole life. Yeah. I have this saying, I always say we were not born to count calories and die. <laughs> like that is, that can't be our life. It, oh my gosh, exactly. There's so much more to us than just our body. And it's like, I like to think about it. I've said it in my past ep podcast episodes that, you know, God gave us this amazing soul and, mm -hmm. you know, just put it in our body. That's just a vessel to hold our soul. So, you know, imagine God up in heaven showing his angels, this beautiful creation that he made. And all they're doing is focusing on the vessel that he put us in. It's he's like, that's not the point. I just put you in this vessel to, right. to live and to show all these other aspects of yourself. And all we do is just focus on, you know, the, the physical part, which is literally the least important part. Yeah. And I mean, I don't blame us. Look at our culture, look at our media. There's so many things that tell us and point us toward focusing on that. But I think that um, I think that's starting to break away a little bit. I think people are speaking more against things like diet culture and what have you. And I'm really happy to see that trend. Yes, me too. I, I just love how everything's becoming more anti-diet and, you know, advocating yeah. for, for mental health. I I just, I, I love it. And I love where everything's pointed to. And even just, you know, talking about this in podcasts and just raising awareness, I think is just a good step in the right direction. Amen. So where can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, I'm on all the things. So um, I'm on Instagram, Brittany Moses. I'm on Twitter, Brittany underscore Moses, Facebook. Um, what else? I, I guess the best place to start is my website, BrittanyMoses.com. That'll kind of be the hub that'll take you to, you know, all the socials and YouTube, the blog and the podcast, which is the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast, where we have conversations at the intersection of faith, mental health, culture and wellness, both from um, mental health professionals and those with lived experience. So that's been a really great opportunity. We have a ton of conversations there. If you enjoy conversations like these. Um, I think you'll enjoy some of the insights that we've shared on there. Awesome. I will make sure to put that in the show notes. So if anyone wants to connect with you, they can find you on Instagram. They can go to your website and learn more about you. Cause I think you just have so much to, you know, offer us and offer the world. So I just, I just thank you so thank much you. for doing what, what you're doing and making the impact that you are. Absolutely. And likewise, thank you for what you're doing and for hosting this conversation. Of course. Thank you so much, Brittany. It was so great having you. Thanks. 
Thanks, you guys, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I absolutely love talking about mental health, especially when it comes to perfectionism, obviously, because that's what this podcast is called. Um, But I also started a blog about perfectionism, so if you guys want to read it, go check it out. The link is in the show notes also and my Instagram bio. So, yeah, I will catch you guys next week. Have an amazing day. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>